Uh, Taylor introduced uh, a series that we're doing this over the next few weeks for the rest of November called Seek First, uh, which is about seeking first God and seeking first his kingdom. And so uh, I think Taylor's not in here right now, but thanks to Taylor. If you missed that, then, then check it out. He did a great job. And it's all drawing from uh, Matthew, Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6. So what better place to start than to just read um, today's passage. And as I read it, just pay, atten- pay attention to the words. Uh, there's, some, there's, some ref- there's some repeated phrases and uh, things that might stand out to you and um, what I'm going to do is we're going to start with this passage, then I'm going to uh, backtrack and uh, look at a few other things, then I'm going to come back to it. So I want you to uh, remember what we're talking about. Don't forget, if you've got your Bible, actually um, open it up to Matthew 6. If you've got, a, got it on your phone or uh, iPad, then open up to chapter, chapter 6. This is, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, Jesus, if you've forgotten, is the Son of God. Yeah, so, you know, when Jesus speaks, it's God speaking, and so if God's speaking, then like I said before, it's best to pay attention. When there's an important person in the room, you kind of want to listen to what they say. So let's listen to what Jesus says. It's up on the screen. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Thank you, Jesus. So this this chapter, Matthew 6, it comes in the middle of... Uh, a passage of, of teaching that Jesus, that Jesus gave at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, it sort of comes near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and um, all these people had begun following Jesus around, listening to what he, what he said. Um, I don't know, it, it might have been something to do, to, to do with the fact that he healed people and he did spectacular things. Maybe that's the reason why they're following them. Or maybe it was because uh, it, when he spoke, 
people resonated with what he was saying, that he spoke these words of truth, and they're like, this guy, he's got something, we want to hear more about it, we want to learn from him. Um, it might have been the, the signs and the wonders, or it might have been that when Jesus went to a wedding, he took water and he turned it into wine. I think that's a really good reason. Uh, and the best wine, right? The son of God's wine is the, is the best wine. And then there's, then there's the disciples who followed Jesus because Jesus said to them, follow me. And he invited them, invited the disciples to be his disciples. So just thinking about them, uh, discipleship uh, is a word that we use often um, in, in Christianity, in church. And it has this meaning of like, following, some, following somebody in order to become like them. Right to walk, uh, to walk in their in their footsteps so close that you can see everything that that person does, and that you you sort of you pick up, I guess you pick up what they're like, and you and you begin to uh, think the way they think, or you act the way they act, or you speak the way they speak. That's discipleship. It's becoming like the person that you're following. It's um, as a as a sort of titled this talk, it's, uh, I called it the Jesus model, and discipleship is modeling your life after Jesus, modeling your life after Jesus, becoming like Jesus. So Jesus speaks to this great crowd um, from the, on the Sermon on the Mount, from the, the side of Mount Vic, and, he, uh, and, he, and he's teaching them how to live like him, how, how he lives. It's, some people call it the, the Jesus manifesto. I just think he's saying, this is, this is the way to live. This is how I live. It begins in Matthew 5. And it, yeah, it sort of begins in Matthew 5 with the, with the section that we, we call the Beatitudes, uh, or the, the Blesseds, the Blesseds. And it's, it's, he's really teaching uh, what, the good life, what the good life actually is. And you read it, and you look at it, and it contrasts in almost every way to what our world says the good life really is. It contrasts in so many sense, in so many ways. Like um, the world teaches us that in order to be happy, in order to be peaceful, uh, to be fulfilled, to have purpose or meaning, then what do you need? You need uh, you need money. Um, you need stuff, you need possessions, you need power, like power over other people. You've got to get your way. You've got to be assertive. Uh, you, uh, like it's always good to be famous, isn't it? Um, fame is always a good way to be happy. Yeah, right. Uh, achievements in the world, achievements. If you can achieve something good, then uh, you've made it. Uh, intelligence, always good to be smart. Um, and then Jesus teaches this, this, that the way to be happy or the, the blessed life actually, actually does not come from those things. And Jesus, well, Jesus teaches, and I love this because it's far more simple. Uh, it means that you don't have to earn a whole lot of money to be happy. Uh, it's far more simple than that. It's far more present because it's connected with who God is and where God is. And uh, if you know anything about God, then you might have heard that he's omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere. Uh, and it's far more accessible because, because Jesus is accessible, because Jesus laid down his life for us, as, as we've already heard this morning. So I'm just going to um, 
go back to the start about what Jesus says uh, the, the good life is. And it's, so it's in the beginning of, beginning of the Sermon on the Mount of, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, and it uses this word blessed. Blessed, which, which comes from a Greek word that I, I was trying to learn how to pronounce, and then I gave up because I knew Andreas was going to be here. Uh, and so just to, just to summarize, it means to be happy. Blessed means to be happy. It means to be blissful. Oh, that sounds lovely. To be happy and blissful. And it, it even carries this idea of, of self-contained, uh, self-contained happiness. I, I read this quote. It says, Our happiness is independent of our circumstances. It is self-contained, meaning that regardless of what is happening to us externally, we can be truly happy internally. That, to me, that sounds like the kind of the thing you want to gun for in life, eh? Because everything else full, uh, can fall over. But if you can be truly happy internally, if you can be, have self-contained happiness, mate, you're onto something. The secret of life. Okay, so let's read the Beatitudes or the Blesseds. So when you see the word blessed, you could think happy or self-contained happiness or blissful. So Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But listen to how counter-cultural counter this is, or counter the world's teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Like, does that make sense? That blessed are you when others hate you and give you a whole lot of grief. Or blessed are you, happy are you when you are persecuted on my, for my sake. Right? That's, it doesn't make sense, does it? Like, no. God, Jesus, you, you, uh, you're not talking the truth here. But he is. Okay, so just, just in case you think that I'm going down some heresy, he's speaking the truth. He's the son of God. He knows what he's talking about. And like I said before, the, the Sermon on the Mount is not Jesus telling everybody else to do. Uh, he's walk, he, he walks the talk. He's talking, about his, he's talking about the way he lives his life, right? He... He knows what happiness is because he is the source of joy. Um, he knows uh, he knows that to be to be blessed is to 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 live the way that he's just talked about in the in the beatitudes. Who was reviled and persecuted? Jesus was. Who was uh, had all kinds of evil uttered against him falsely? Jesus was. And so he's saying, like, somehow, if we, 
if we model our lives after him and if we live uh, according to his words, then actually we can have this happiness that means that um, instead of um, being really, I don't know, like um, running away from persecution and suffering because that, that is like the worst thing that you can, you can have in your life, instead you can actually be happy and blissful and have self-contained happiness in those moments. Isn't it, doesn't that strike you as like the wildest thing? <laughs> it's easy to kind of like rush through Jesus' te- Jesus's words on the Sermon on the Mount, but you're like, man, um, I would love to have that kind of happiness. That sounds to me amazing. And Jesus, you speak the truth, and so help us to, help us to get to this place. So what does it mean to be happy? Uh, like I said before, the the world teaches us there's, there's all kinds of ways to be happy. Um, like, uh, you know, you could, I, I sort of like joked about fame before, but all, we all know that fame is not the greatest way to be happy. I mean, in the news quite a lot lately has been articles about um, Johnny Depp. He doesn't seem very happy to me, if you've been following that. He's got, he has fame, he has money, he's been on great movies, if you're a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, which I do quite like. Uh, he's, he's this person that you kind of go, oh, I want to be like Johnny Depp, and yet you hear about what, what's going on, he has all of this stuff, everything that you could probably want, and he needs more. And so he kind of goes, uh, and this was like all over the news, so I feel, um, I feel so sad for him, but it's... Uh, and it's not just his story, he's just an example, but the, you know, he goes after drugs, he goes after drinking, he's trying to find fulfillment, trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning in all kinds of other ways, trying to find ways of being happy. So we know, we know, and we will not be deceived that the, the world's way to happiness is actually not the best way to happiness. We need to find a different way. And... And, uh, and Jesus is, is the way. John 10.10. 10. Did I put this up here? No. John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This, this word abundantly is, is really cool because Jesus offers us, he came to give us a life that is beyond our expectations. Uh, it's exceedingly good. This is like life in all of its fullness. Jesus promises us abundant life, fullness of life. And it sounds, I think it sounds really fantastic. But the idea, sometimes the idea of, uh, of following Jesus and modeling our lives after him might not sound actually that fantastic. It might not. Look what he had to go through. Uh, yeah, he healed, he healed people. That probably would feel quite good. But then people hated him. And they, uh, like they beat him and they stripped him naked and they put nails through his hands and his feet and they stuck him on a cross and mocked him as he, as he died. Is that, does that kind of like go, oh, that's, I want to I follow you. I want to follow you like that. I want... But the thing is, we, we, we only see from the outside. We, don't, we often don't think about what Jesus was, was feeling. Um, oh, just trying to, it's a struggle to kind of uh, come up with the right words because I know that he, he was suffering in that moment. And I know that there was this, um, 
this grieving. But Jesus is the, the source of joy. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, Jesus, um, Jesus says, and I did put this one up on the screen, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as, a, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you. Jesus gives what he has. You can't give somebody something that you don't already have. J- Jesus is... Jesus is full of joy. Jesus was full of joy. So when he, when he says, my joy may be full, you may experience my joy. He, he, he's, not, he's not giving us empty words. He's not giving us something that he doesn't have or hasn't experienced. He's given him of, of himself. There's that phrase, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? Out of the overflow of, of Jesus, he speaks out of the overflow of what is in him, out of the overflow of who he is, uh, is joy, is peace, is love, is hope. Jesus is full of joy, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, Jesus is the happiest person to ever walk the earth. Have you ever thought about it like that before? Uh, Jesus is the most loving, the most hopeful, the most fulfilled person to ever walk the earth, the most satisfied person to ever walk the planet. And yet we read the scriptures and we know that there's moments of sadness. We know that in the shortest sentence of the Bible, Jesus wept. Yes, he felt, he was he a was person, he was human. He is human. But I reckon, I believe his life was and still is marked, marked with with everything that we long for in our lives, everything that when we drill down, we drill down to what we really hope for and really want, this is what Jesus' life was marked by. I think that we have a distorted, often have a distorted image of what Jesus, of who Jesus is. Sometimes it's because of uh, seeing old-fashioned movies where Jesus sort of uh, was this non-person, untouched by everything around him. Uh, or... Um, you know, other kinds of images, cartoon images of God. And then I reckon that Jesus was fun to be around, that people liked to be near him. I think that he was, he was not stressed. I think that he was unhurried. I think that he was not worried. I think that he was, uh, he was not anxious about what was going on. So we kind of had this question, like, do we want to do we want to model our lives or um, follow uh, what the world says is the way to live, even knowing that it's it's an empty promise that it falls over, or do we want to uh, model our lives after somebody who, even though even though his, his some of the experiences that he went through seem like things that we don't want, but he had like this self-contained happiness or this, this joy or this way of living that uh, actually I think that we really, really do want. You see, the interior life, our interior life determines our exterior life. I don't mean that our interior life um, me, uh, manipulates or changes what's going on on the outside, what I mean is 
Our interior life shapes how we experience what's going on. How we experience life, how we, how we experience life is more important than what, what you experience in life. How you experience it is more important. Imagine being able to face all the storms of life. Imagine being able to face a pandemic across the world, um, but not be shaken by that. We all are experiencing, uh, you know, the pandemic. I mean, in New Zealand, we're so blessed because we, we're not experiencing it in the same ways that people are in the US or the UK or uh, other countries that are being ravaged. But we're all experiencing this thing. But each of us can experience can um, experience it how experience it in different ways, right? We can be filled with peace or we can be filled with fear, right? That example. So the interior life. The interior life determines the exterior. And at, in the beginning, I read that scripture uh, from uh, Matthew, Matthew 6, where Jesus says things like, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, Jesus is explaining the kind of life that, that he uh, lived. He's giving us the inside scoop. <laughs> He's giving us the secret, the secret of the good life. And it's, you read it, and it's like, oh, okay, what's going on in here is actually, that's, that's the critical part. That's the part that Jesus is after. That's the part that God is after. He, God isn't impressed by uh, what we do outwardly, God is impressed by what's going on in our hearts. And hopefully what goes on outwardly actually matches up. It, it matches up with what's going on in the inside. Otherwise, what does Jesus call us? Hypocrites! Virtue signaling right? is a form of hypocrisy, right? We can spot hypocrites a mile away, and yet we think we get away with it. But Jesus is explaining that the secret is what's going on in here. And he, I don't know if you, if you picked up on it, but there's this repeated phrase in, in those verses that I read out. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Right? It says it like three times. When you give to the needy, um, sound the trumpet before you, and so on, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, um, go to your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you fast, I kind of wish that Jesus said, if you fast, but he didn't. He said, when you fast, anoint your head, have a shave, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Giving, praying, fasting. These are not to be ways, not to be ways to impress other people, but they're to be, to be ways of impressing God, <laughs> or to be ways of connecting with God. Or um, I think it's quite funny we, uh, that that he uses this word about rewards. Like, he says it clearly. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father sees in secret. Your father sees in secret. And I think this is really, really encouraging to us as well because um, uh, 
In the King James Version of uh, this passage, it talks about going into your closet, and I was really fascinated by by this word, and so looking it up, and um, and what the scriptures talk about is kind of going into the into uh, into an inner chamber of of your house. I mean, like two thousand years ago, their houses were a bit different from ours. Uh, like often in, in our houses, we, we are able to have um, a bedroom to ourselves, and even in our bedroom, we've got wardrobes and you know, so on. And, and I think in these houses in the um, 2,000 years ago, maybe they didn't have as much space. And so Jesus is kind of going, you know, find, find a space in your house where, no, where, you, where you're not able to impress anybody else. I mean, Taylor, you talked about this last week. Um, where, you can, where you cannot impress other people and there connect, connect with God. Um, a pantry. Pantry is another word that sort of springs to mind. This place where they store food. Go into the pantry and pray. Kind of Jesus, Jesus says here. And the, I think the comforting part comes from that. Uh, even, in the, even in the pantry, even if you find uh, like the most hidden place, God still hears, God still sees, and God still knows. What, what you are thinking, what you're praying, what you're feeling, and he rewards you. And it, and it just, I think it really speaks, uh, it speaks quite loudly to us because what is important, and again, like going back to what the world says is important, the world says that what other people think of you is actually pretty important. Um, if you say the wrong thing on social media, then watch out, right? You're going to get hammered. But what is important to the Father, not the opinions of other people, not even the opinions of those closest to us, not your husband or your wife or your children or your parents. What's most important, I'm not saying those things don't matter, but what's most important is, uh, is what the Father thinks. So when you give, when you pray, when you fast, it's for our Father. So what have I talked about so far? That... Jesus uh, is inviting us to model our lives after him, to experience the, the, the life, the way of life that he experienced life, to have that, um, that interior experience of life that Jesus, Jesus had, to be, to, be, to be peaceful, to be loving, to be kind, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, to find meaning, purpose. Jesus modeled for us the perfect life, and he calls for us to follow him like the disciples and to build our lives on his words. And I think this is, again, like so critical, to build our lives on his words. To actually build our lives on his words means we got to know his words. We've got to listen to his words. The more we fill our life with his words, the more we are open to the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. The more we seek first God's kingdom, the more we set God's kingdom and his righteousness as the number one thing in our lives, then the more we will experience life Jesus' way, because this is what Jesus did. Jesus set as his number one, the the highest priority, God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and God was number one. 
So modeling our lives after Jesus means doing the same thing. It means actually setting aside things, setting aside time. It means even um, putting down things that we, that we have held on to so much in the past and actually like listening to him and, and actually doing what he says, seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. I'm stoked that I get to speak again next week because I'm going to be diving into this a bit more. The more we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then the more we will experience Jesus' life Jesus' way, have that fullness of life, the blessed life he talks about, the joyful life, the abundant life, the peaceful life, a fulfilled life, contented life, a life of freedom, love, hope, all these things that marked Jesus' life. How does that sound? Because often I think we just we just look at the we look at the outside and we're going to follow Jesus is is so hard it's so full of 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 pain and rejection and everything like that but we we miss actually the point and it's like this is the Holy Spirit's work Jesus sends His Holy Spirit in order that we can become like Him we invite the Holy Spirit to fill our minds the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts in order that we might be conformed. Uh, allow our minds to be conformed to uh, God's way, God's words, um, and, not, and not the way of the world. He wants all of our lives, not, the, not just the outside parts, the inside parts. He wants it all to be uh, connected together as well. We've talked about this quite a lot this year. The, um, the interior and the exterior, the uh, to not have a not have a divided life, to um, to have lives where uh, we're able to do things uh, not to impress others, not to um, make ourselves look better than we actually are, but out of the overflow of actually what is going on in our in our lives. And I think that the way to have a truly integrated life is actually to to uh, listen to what Jesus says and to set these things first. In all kinds of ways, in our time, and what we think about, uh, and how we spend our money, um, all kinds of ways. So, I feel like the Lord is calling us into uh, into a new into a new day, a new season. I think He's um, looking for uh, the word that I've been having on my heart is about a new breed, and um, like a new breed, it's time for us, uh, all of us, to actually kind of go, okay, the past is the past. The world's ways are, are, fa- are, failure, are failures. <laughs> they, they are not going to be the way for fulfillment. They're not going to be the way to happiness. Uh, instead, the way to happiness is like to go seek first God's kingdom and to actually surrender what we think is the way to happiness and go, maybe Jesus knows best with these things. And so that we, uh, have I still got that scripture up there? I do. That my joy, that Jesus' joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How does that sound? Yeah, good. Why don't we stand and, um, and pray? And uh, What I'm going to do, I think, is, is invite the Holy Spirit to, to fill us, uh, to fill all parts of us. And I encourage you that um, to... Like, like, think about uh, think about your your heart. Think about what's kind of going on in your in your mind and your heart and in yourself at the moment. And um, I encourage you to open your to open yourself up 
and to say, Holy Spirit, you have, you have your way in me. One of the amazing things about the Lord is that um, he likes to be invited and he gives us the choice. Always we have the choice. So thank you, Jesus, for, for who you are, Lord, for the way that you uh, walked the earth as a man, as a human being, showing that there's a way of life that is much, much better than, uh, than we typically see modeled by those around us. Lord Jesus, would you send your spirit now upon, upon your church, upon your bride, upon all of us here. Lord, would you, um, would you fall even from above up upon our minds, Lord, that we, we might um, think the way that you think and see the way you see and, and experience life the way you experienced life. Sorry, Lord, that my words are kind of falling falling over, but Lord, we just invite your spirit to fall. Lord, I pray that you fall upon minds this morning. Holy Spirit, I invite you also to fall uh, and fill our hearts, God. To fill our hearts, Lord, that you'd shape our hearts the way that you want our hearts to be shaped. Lord, where we've set things um, as important that ought not to be important. Lord, where we've, uh, we've made a, a priority, things that ought not to be a priority. Uh, thank you for your invitation. The Holy Spirit, would you draw us to Jesus this morning to shape us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, come upon minds, upon hearts, upon bodies this morning. Just...